and welcome to the Joe Rest Podcast, episode 14, recorded pretty late on the 21st of August, 2015. I'm Joe, and with me as always is Isaac. What is up, Joe? What's up? Uh, what's happening? I'm pretty tired, I'm pretty drunk, and we haven't done this for a long, long time. Yeah, it has been a little while since we've, well, not since we talked, but since we've done the Joe Rest show, it's been a minute. What have you been up to since? What have I been up to? July the 9th was the last time we did this. Yeah, so that's like over a month. Are you serious? Well over a month. What have I been doing, though? Well, I've been doing some Mintcasts. I've been doing some Linux Luddites. And also, we have been doing a lot of pre-production meetings when we should have been doing this to get the Pi podcast going. Yeah, that's right. The Pi podcast is now officially up and running. Yeah, and for those who haven't seen any of the spam about that yet or heard any of the spam, it's what's the tagline? A show by the Raspberry Pi community for the Raspberry Pi community. And uh, we're doing it. It's Isaac, me, and someone called Winkerlink. That's kind of his uh, online handle, but he's called Albert, and he is someone who knows loads about the Pi, and he's kind of like in with the foundation and stuff. I met him at the Egg and Raspberry Jam and interviewed him about his crazy mind control um, flappy bird thing, which is pretty cool. And um, yeah, it's, it's been fun so far. It's been a lot of work setting up servers and emails and all that stuff uh, that you didn't even, weren't even part of. Yeah, I was going to say, just, I was like, what, what work are we talking about? I'm, I'm confused on that uh, part. Yeah, having to learn how to configure mail servers to recognize multiple domains on one box and I had like an old forum that was sitting on the same server, but that's PHPBB. And I'm like, I was like mm, it's a bit of a attack vector. So I had to move that off to somewhere else. And that was quite stressful. And I've had to learn loads more kind of sysadmin stuff. And I still have no clue what I'm doing with it. <laughs> what you, it's, it's, it's the same thing you talk about every day on Luddites or something. It's, it's, not, it's not that hard, is it? Well, I don't know. Like, all my Linux experience is desktop Linux and a oh, little bit I of gotcha. kind of, I don't know, like networking is something that's a big black hole that I just know nothing about. Whereas desktop stuff I know loads about and I'm trying to kind of marry the two. I mean, I know a fair bit about Linux, but doing this, running the JRS site and now the Pi Podcast site has made me learn. It's kind of forced me to learn more about Linux. So that's quite good in a way. Yeah, that's really good. It's always positive to learn more about more about that stuff, especially if everyone pursue uh, an awesome career in IT. So, <laughs> yeah, maybe. But yeah. everyone wants DevOps these days rather than just sysadmin or just programming. That's that's the, the new hot buzzword, buddy. DevOps, which is just kind of taking two jobs and making it one person's job, isn't it? Yep, you got developer plus operations. So it's kind of the, the, I think the concept behind it is you don't really need sysadmins anymore. I guess you don't need hardcore developers. You kind of marry the two. When in reality, that's never the case. You always need one or the other. So, yeah, of course you need a proper sysadmin. Man, things go wrong. You know, especially as things continue to kind of change with uh, containerization and all that stuff. I think you really. I don't know if you don't need them anymore. You just need someone who's willing to like learn a little bit more about it, more in depth. So, I think that's more the case for it. But. I don't know. My last uh, Java user group, we had an Oracle guy up here, and Oracle now is pitching some heavy. I mean, everybody's doing it. DevOps this, DevOps that. So, yeah. 
So what have you been up to? And you got a new phone finally. I did. I got a new phone uh, based upon some uh, reviews from you. I got the uh, OnePlus One, and you were right. It's a much larger phone than what I previously owned. Yeah, I told you it's enormous. Yeah. It is, isn't it? I, I love it like, you know how it feels in my hand and doing stuff like that. When I hold it up to my ear and make a phone call, I feel like I'm holding my e-reader out to my ear. And I'm still not used to that, nor do I really like it, but it's cool. I love the phone, though. It's um, it's nothing but Google Apps, which unfortunately is everything I do in this world. It, Google has made an app for, so it works out pretty well. No more yeah. No more HTC. I think my old phone was an HTC Incredible, so I don't have any more uh, stupid apps where like, oh, here's the stocks. And here's a, some other ripoff of Twitter we have. It's just a bunch of junk that I didn't need or want, so it's much better. It's a pretty good phone. Yeah, much, much faster than your old one, because that was like five years old, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So that one time when you tried to Skype him on the phone, I was like, my phone doesn't work. And you're, well, it's, you, you're not allowed to use the excuse unless it was five years ago. Like, well, my phone is from that era, which is scary because <laughs> yeah. it's it's a great phone. It still worked, you know, did its job. And it's only five years later, and this phone, like, surpasses what the other phone probably could ever have been. And when I, me and a buddy were talking about it, it's it's really... I mean, basically, I was just buying a new computer. That's really what it was coming down to. It wasn't, I didn't need a phone anymore to be like, well, does it, does it do phone calls anymore? It really doesn't matter. In, in reality, I just need this phone to, I guess, on a daily basis, maybe might need to know, know to where, where I'm going. I need to check email and then get some updates for anything transit-related. And that's honestly it. That's it. And, and Google Drive, maybe. That's all I need my phone for on a daily basis. The occasional call or text. That's it, though. But have you found you're using it a lot more now you've got a proper decent phone? Uh, no. I mean, what am I going to use it? <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to really start using it for. It's uh, The thing is, is most of the apps that I was like, well, maybe I should go download some apps. Uh, it came with all every single Google app, which was every single app I need mainly to get me through a day, which is more related to work than anything else. But I've been using it just kind of here and there, get more used to it, but nothing out of the ordinary that I'm suddenly going to start. I don't know. I went over the app store. There's nothing out there I saw that was useful. So, or suddenly I, I, I must have. Okay. But you're a bit of a shut in though, aren't you? You don't really go out much. I, I guess I don't. Those kind of days are behind me. I just kind of do computers and that's it. I'm, I'm becoming that guy from, uh, I can't even name the movie now. Uh, oh, Ex Machina. Yeah. I'm becoming that guy that built the robots. <laughs> that's what I'm becoming and turning into. <laughs> Yeah, you need to just get a few more billion dollars first. Oh, yeah, a few more billion dollars and actually be yeah successful in my life. That would help out a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's weird. Like, since I got a decent phone, I suppose the first decent one was a Nexus 4, then Nexus 5, then this OnePlus One. It's now my primary computing device. And so most of the time, if I email you or talk to you, it's going to be on that rather than with a, a proper laptop or desktop. Well... Okay, okay. That, that, I can see that. Here's my difference, which I guess, between me and you is every time I'm at home, I have a lab, I have the laptop on or near me. Like there's a computer on. I'm usually and I'm usually I'm on either my work laptop or my personal one, for sure. And now the phone. I mean, I, yeah, I can reply faster or just as fast with that. I just don't use it unless I'm not near my computer, mainly because I'm already on my computer. That's how often I am on a computer. Well, uh, have you been to any meetups or anything since you got this new phone? Uh, no, uh, my Raspberry Pi meetup meets next week. And then that's, that's about the only meetup I've got scheduled coming up. Okay. Cause if you've got a decent, um, network, then you should be able to tether it. I don't know if, um, Ting allows that, 
But that's w- one useful thing that a phone can do. You can kind of share your internet connection if you with a a Pi or a laptop if you're out and about with no Wi-Fi. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Usually I'm not too out and about. Yeah, that's a good point though. Norm- where I host my meetup at, they have wireless. So uh, okay, oh that's all right. Yeah. And the only time I'm usually yeah, I'm trying to think. The only time it's going to be hooked up was just to showcase some stuff. That's about it. So, but yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. So yeah, th- yeah, you know that's right. My phone can do that a lot better than other one ever could. Yeah, and it's easier to look stuff up on it. If if I'm out and about somewhere and I just want to quickly look something up or whatever, or quickly send an email, rather than having to lug a laptop with you, you've got that phone in your pocket anyway. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm if I'm like in in route from A to B, then I'm definitely gonna use my phone. Uh, over my laptop. But if I'm at the house, then it's definitely my laptop for sure. Or if I'm at work, it's my laptop. Usually that's how usually it's going to go. And you said something that just kind of clicked on me. Oh yeah, this phone is a lot better about being able to play music versus my old phone. My old phone just kept locking up and that drove me crazy. So that's a good yeah, thing. It's probably because you run out of RAM, whereas this has got like. Oh yeah, yeah. Every time I'd play a song like low on space, like are we serious? And that's that. And here's another gripe. Now I'm on my soapbox is that. The only reason I really upgraded my phone was because all the apps now are getting so large, my other phone couldn't maintain. And that, that's kind of ridiculous. Like, I, the purpose of the phone of itself, of that, for it, that's what I'm trying to say. It's not even a phone anymore. It's a computer. Like, for me to oh, yeah, say I upgraded my phone is, like, almost tr- not correct because I still could call and text. I just couldn't do any of the internet stuff. So, it's really to the point of upgraded to a new computer since I want to pl- hear music. You know, and I guess you could call it my phone since that's what it is, but in reality, it's just a better computer. Well, if I was in your position, what did you do with the old phone? Have you still got it? No, I still got it. That it's prime for checking out some custom ROMs then. I know you're kind of not into that, but uh, I'm sure there must be some custom ROMs available for it. That's not a half bad idea. I might do something like that. I might try and root it for some odd reason. I don't know. Just so I can break it up and be like, well, that went nowhere. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, if you follow instructions properly, you can learn about it because, you know, it is, as you say, a computer, but it's not the same way. Like you used to a BIOS or EFI and, you know, having to control it that way. But it's just a totally different way of looking at computing when you start playing with phones and custom ROMs. And I uh, learned loads about it uh, now. You know, it it took me a while and I was just originally just following instructions to the letter and not understanding what I was doing. Whereas now I actually know what each part is and I can kind of, um, you know, have a, I've, I've basically got a greater understanding of it. And so if you've got that phone just sitting there doing nothing, then uh, I would recommend it. But actually, no, play with a pie instead. Learn, uh, learn about some cool stuff with that. So we've got <laughs> yes, some content. Yeah. Maybe I could talk. Yeah. Cause I mean, I kind of got a podcast about it now, so it might help out <laughs> to learn more yeah. about it. But speaking of podcasts, Linux Luddites, that has gone weekly now for many, many reasons. One of which was, we were too long before. I mean, I know you didn't think we were too long, did you? No, I didn't really mind it, you know. I just kind of, you guys kind of just drone on. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> no, I didn't mind it. It didn't bother me in the least. I mean, you just pause it and then just come back or come come close to it. And you, it's not like you guys aren't saying anything that's not useful. So if I heard it twice, it'd be helpful. So I always, I, I don't mind it. I like the weekly, I like the weekly uh, podcast now and the bi-weeklies were cool too. Yeah, but the thing is that some people were put off by it, I think. You know, they'd see it and it was like over two hours. That's, that's rough. so rough. This world has to hit a pause button occasionally. So that's horrible. And, gotta, and they have to air it out too. So. Yeah. Well, I don't know, man. Some people are just like that. I mean, we've had feedback from people. And the fact is that we're, we're basically recording two back to back and then putting them out. 
a week apart so that we're just constantly around and constantly we've got that mind share. You know, it's not like we pop up, disappear for two weeks, come back. It's like every week, week in, week out, every Sunday now we're there and you can, you know, we kind of stay in people's minds and hopefully we can build up our audience and, uh, you know, spread the word more about Linux and all that kind of stuff. How's it looking so far? Is the audience uh, spreading? It's really difficult to say at this stage because it's it's really complicated how you actually track the numbers and stuff. <laughs> that, that's okay. So that's slang for the numbers are going down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now the the thing is that how it works is like you get about a third of the downloads straight away, like within a day or two. Then over the next week you get another third, and then over the next few weeks you get another third. Is, so it's kind of too too early to tell, really. Oh, okay. Is that because of the whatever framework you're using doing the stats that way? No, no, it's like that's how people download it. So there are some people who are super keen and they download it straight away. And then over the next week or so, you get like another third of the people just downloading it whenever. And then you've got people, I mean, there's people still every day, there's people downloading like episode one. You know, people go back through or they might find from Google like a review of some distro or whatever. And they're interested in that particular thing. They're not necessarily interested in listening to the whole show, but they'll download show 16 or whatever, download it and then listen to the the bit that they want. So it's weird. It's really like, I was really surprised. I thought it'd just be like, everyone would download it straight away and that'd be it. But there's this huge long tail. So it's really difficult to count. And, you know, looking at the bandwidth stats, looking at the numbers on PodTrack, I, I honestly couldn't tell you. I don't think we've suffered any hit, put it that way. I don't think our numbers have gone down. But um, it's it remains to be seen whether they're going to go up. I mean, they're kind of always climbing up slowly but surely. So it, it takes a couple of months, I think, to actually see the effect of stuff like that. And it's like with this Pi podcast thing as well. We put out a show um, what Wednesday, and it's now Friday. So we've only had a couple of days to see. <laughs> I'm laughing because you, you slammed the numbers. It was funny. <laughs> Yeah, well, I was kind of hoping. Uh, I don't know what you're hoping, but it was funny. (laughs) Well, I don't know. The thing is, as soon as I promote it on proper podcasts, not this one that nobody listens to, although actually, hello to new listeners. I forgot to say that. Yeah, hello, guys. You probably switched off by now. But um, (laughs) yeah, I promoted it on Ubuntu Podcast, Mintcast, and Linux Luddites, and I saw a big uptick in the numbers for this. I say big uptick. It's still very, like five more very people. Small. Hey, that works out, whatever, you know. <laughs> well, as a percentage, it was a lot, but I'm not, not telling you how many it is. <laughs> don't, don't, don't even go down that road. That's one of those corporations I used to work for. They like, we raise, we gave you a pay raise and they would shoot you the percentage. Like what? Wait a minute. Like, there's- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's an extra like 75 cents an hour or something. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was nothing, you know, like, wait a minute. What? <laughs> But yeah, anyway, I'm hoping that once I plug it on Linux Luddites and hopefully if they do it on Mintcast, um, we can actually get some serious numbers going on for the Pi podcast. And I know that loads of people have been really um, helpful and really nice to, to us and, you know, I've been really spreading the word. And it takes time for that word to get out. And I think two days was a bit, um, <laughs> a bit too, a bit too short early. of a time period. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I say, like, by the time we put the next one out, Two weeks later, then we'll have some better idea of how it's going. I think you, you've got to you've got to wait for people to actually hear about it and see if they want to download it. But I, I don't know. I just like had in my head that we'd get more 
than we did. Well, we <clears throat> not not many more, but a bit more than we did. Well, the word just hasn't gotten out, buddy. That's that's seriously all it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. Well, that's enough kind of uh, intro stuff. We haven't really got a, a proper show for you today. We kind of uh, decided. That, well, I decided. Yeah, I was gonna minute. say. Okay, yeah. Joe decided that drones are no longer cool. We shouldn't talk about them. So. Yeah, Isaac could put loads of drone stuff in there, which we can talk about a bit maybe if we have time. But um, <laughs> uh, there's there's a couple of things that I wanted to talk to you about, and uh, so let's do a bumper and pretend that it's news. Right then, so today I went for a very long walk, like four miles, because I was feeling like it's a nice night and uh, well, a nice evening, and so I had a lot of time to listen to stuff, and I listened to. Bad Voltage, which I occasionally listen to. Have you ever heard that podcast? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay, well, it's kind of like... I'm going to check them out right now while you're talking about them. Okay, well, don't be listening to it while I'm talking to you. <laughs> to in a way, it's a little bit like this show. In oh, that it's mostly Linux guys. Yeah, their site's a bit fancy and over fancy. But yeah, they're Linux guys, but not necessarily talking about Linux. So Okay, cool. They, to, they look pretty cool. I have to, give them a, I have to check them out. Yeah, it's... It's kind of like a super group because a lot of them are well known from previous podcasts. But anyway, on this latest one, they were talking about the Donald Trump situation and a question came up and that was how exactly does your electoral system work? And they kind of got too sidetracked and never actually spoke too much about it. So I hear words like caucus and um, primary and then I know eventually you get whoever the richest guy is gets elected. But I don't really understand that process of like how you select those people in the first place. And it, it seemed really strange. They were talking about the primaries, how both Republicans and Democrats can vote for both. And it just doesn't make sense to me. So you're fairly up on politics, aren't you? <laughs> I can't stop laughing. Sorry. <clears throat> the reason I'm laughing are you are you about to ask me how our electoral system works? Yeah, I'd cross. I'll say please say no. But <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't want like you know. A, a, I can't stop laughing. Two hour essay. Okay, okay. Well, you won't get one. I promise. Because here's the quick answer. I don't really know. So that's why I'm laughing. Oh right, I was hoping because we. You you actually, just, I wish you had thrown this on me a little bit earlier. I might have like investigated it. I seriously, <laughs> it's sad because I took more time. I know your system better than I do our own. And uh, from the uh, uh, recent election you guys had, the, yeah. I, I'm trying to think how to, how to even begin this. Because so, I'm going to know some American listeners are going to either side with me or slam me because I have no <laughs> honest, honest to God clue. When it comes, okay, I'll just start with me. I, when it comes to politics, I keep up with news. So I read the Washington Post on the daily here. And uh, I read Time Magazine. That's my most, you know, those aren't really tech heavy. So I keep up with what's going on and I watch the news. But I don't care would be the best way to word that. I don't dive it into it too much. If I see something in the news or anything that talks more about politics, I might skim it. But if it's not really something, I feel like it's almost like I've already heard it. I hear it all the time. So that's the the way I can't. Honestly, I have no clue where to even begin with our electoral system. I'm just going to tell you what's currently going on. Uh, well, uh, let me ask you a question. Okay. Then, okay. So in this country, we have basically two or three political parties and the, the members of that party, people who are paid up members, it's only like 10 quid a year or whatever to join the party. And then you, when there is a leadership election for that, 
party, you vote for them internally, and then whoever wins, wins, and they're the leader of the party. And then when it comes to the general election, well, we talked about that. Each constituency, each area votes for their member of parliament, and then you have a certain number of MPs, and whoever has the majority, their party gets in power, and whoever's the leader of their party is the prime minister. Whereas it's not like that. In your country, you actually vote for a president. Everyone votes for a president rather than, like you have separate elections for your local representatives. That's correct. And they, they, they don't relate to who your president is. But what I don't understand is you've got two parties, the Republicans and the Democrats, mm-hmm. which I find hilarious, to be honest. It's like, how American can you get? Like, yeah, I'm an American Republican and I'm into democracy. And it's like, yeah, I'm a Democrat because I'm into democracy and I really love the Republic of America. So it's just two meaningless words to me. But anyway, you've got like the kind of left wing and the kind of right wing. And how do you decide who decides who is going to be each candidate for oh, them? That Okay, okay. That's decided, I think... I'm not saying I know this correctly. I, I believe this is decided in house among those candidates. I mean, among that party. Like that's right. what. So currently, right now, they're gauging everyone's like how they're doing in the polls and stuff, and how they are at like at all the state primaries right now. And they're people are kind of like you know letting them know who they're probably going to vote for of that given party if they you know if it were today who they're siding with. And then at the end of all that. The Republicans are going to come up with like their best candidate to run for president is what's going to happen. Donald Trump. <laughs> it's probably it's probably going to be Trump. Uh, it's Trump versus Hillary, isn't it? Let's I think I, really I want Joe Biden, who's our current vice president, to run, and I want it to be Biden versus Trump. That's that's honestly our the if if the Democrats want to beat Trump, it's Biden. Biden's the only guy you could pick. If the Republicans, they're really screwed right now in my mind. They have to pick Trump because he's killing. So. I, I do not agree with anything Trump says, but I totally feel the people who are siding with him where they're coming from. Because the only thing I like about the dude is that he's not part of the current system. He's he you know, he kinda has that in his wheelhouse where he can be like, Oh, I'm not a current you know, I, I'm not a I'm not a bad politician because I'm not a politician. He can actually say that. So I feel like he he's bucking the system is a good way to look at that. And I like that about him. Because he's something new. He's a, he's a, like a breath of fresh air, but he's not, what he's saying is horrible and what he's promoting is horrible, but at least he's not part of the normal crap that's coming out of Washington, which is like all the other people that are running. Yeah, he's not part of the system. He's somehow outside yeah. that. Yeah. So that's kind of like, and that's kind of what the, why he's able to say what he is, but that's kind of also, that's mainly why he has such a following that he does right now. Do you really think he's got a chance of being elected? I don't, me and a lot of people I talk to going back and forth on this, I really think he does. He's he's definitely, he's saying stuff and he's airing out everything that, other people won't say that kind of stuff because they're scared of what will come back. He doesn't care. Well, they won't call Mexicans rapists. Yeah, exactly. He won't say any of that. I mean, they won't say any of that. He'll definitely say whatever he wants, but he's definitely, uh, he's touching a nerve that a lot of America, a lot of America is just really ticked off at the current system and he knows this and he's riding on that wave. I don't think the I don't know if the Republicans are going to pick him in the end to run for them. I really doubt it, but I'm a, I think they might if they realize they have no other option. It depends on how bad they want the presidency. If they want it that who, bad, who are the other options then? Uh, let me think. Uh, Jeb Bush, Mark Rubio, <laughs> um, Ted Cruz, another Bush. Yeah, another Bush. Yeah, if it's Bush and Clinton, I might throw up. 
But uh, <laughs> yeah, imagine, man. Bush was. I know. Here we go again. And uh, what else? So yeah, Mark Rubio, Ted Cruz. I mean, you name. There's 17 of them running. So really, yeah. What, there's 17 running. Republicans. Really? Yeah. Wow. And but Trump's the the most famous, like certainly internationally. He is def- definitely internationally. He had to be the most famous, and he's definitely the most. The, the whole election right now is revolving around him. It's crazy how much it goes around him. Like, it couldn't be more about Trump right now if they tried. It's, it's, it's just nuts. And I don't know. I, if it, it's like um, we kind of said, oh, if, if David Cameron gets in again, then we're leaving this country. Well, we didn't do that because it was too much hassle. <laughs> but it's like, what do you do if Trump gets in? I mean, I've I heard know. people say that the rest of the world ought to have a say because whoever your president is affects the rest of the world, man. Well, that's well. I mean, that's the same for any almost any country can say that. You know, I mean, even though you might not think it, I mean, if uh, if Tony Blair wanted to and shoot shot a nuke off, I mean, it's going to kind of affect a few of us. So, I mean, everybody, it's like a leader of a country kind of affects the world in some form or fashion. Now, America might have a more bit more of a say on that than some other countries, but I don't. I don't know. I just Bush. I mean, not Bush. Trump. He scares me, but the rest of them, I just look. I, I, I'm pretty much dumb of voting, so I don't know who to. If Biden doesn't run, I will not vote. I will say that because I just don't want. I don't look at any of them like competent leaders at all. <laughs> so if if Trump's up against Hillary, you wouldn't vote then. No, just heck to keep no. Trump I, out. Here's the funny thing, honestly. Uh, um, I can't remember. Maybe one of the first years I went and voted. There's so many other people running for presidency, you don't realize this, who don't have the, the two-party system money right now. So yeah. you'll go into the polls and there'll be like uh, like five more people besides the main two candidates running. It always kind of blows my mind. So, no, if Hillary and Trump run, I am definitely could care less who wins. Yeah. Was uh, Ron Paul, did he ever actually get to run in the end? Now, there, you said, did you say Ron or Rand? Because there's... There's dad and son there. Now, Rand Paul oh. is currently running, and uh, okay. he has some pretty good points. He's from my um, home state of Kentucky. I think he's a senator there, and he has some good points. when it, He's like libertarian, so he has some good points when it comes to anti-government, this or that. With NSA. He's definitely a very anti-NSA person, and I respect yeah. that. But his dad is Ron Paul, so yeah. he kind of carries the same views his dad does. Okay. I just remember um, back in the day when I used to look at 4chan quite a lot, and Moat, the uh, the admin of that, he put up a big banner, vote for Ron Paul. And so he was supporting him. And I I remember everyone on the internet saying, oh, we should vote for Ron Paul because he was different somehow. Yeah, I think it's that whole uh, libertarian movement is a little bit a little bit different than the norm. So, yeah, Rand Paul's all about that same stuff that his dad was. So Okay, is he like right-wing libertarian or left-wing? Oh, he's right. If you're on the Republican side, you're already right wing. How far you want oh, to so take they're, that? They're both Republicans, then. Yes, and uh, oh, I believe right. that's correct. I'm not sure on Dad, but I'm pretty correct. I'm pretty sure it's correct. But uh, Rand Paul definitely is. How far you want to take that now to the right is totally your call. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's if it's anything like this country, there's very little difference between the two major parties. No, that's something I discovered when uh, you guys had your main election. Yeah. When I read into everything, I was like, "Here we go!" Like the what is it? The UKIP party is the exact same as our Tea Party. I feel like. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, you've got your, your centre-right, your centre-left, who are almost indistinguishable, and then you've got some loony lefts and some loony rights, as people say. You've got your hardcore socialist, communist lefties, and then your hardcore libertarian, uh, you know, racist, whatever, anti-government <laughs> people. 
But the thing that like, the weird thing about libertarians though is that they they can go either way. Like you've got like really right wing libertarians and then really sort of communisty libertarians as well. Yeah, I've noticed that with uh, uh, Rand Paul. Some of his points, I'm kind of I agree. I'm I'm like hey, he's got a good point. I'm not Republican, you know, or not really Democrat, but I definitely more Democrat than Republican. And some of the stuff Rand Paul says, I'm kind of on board with. I like it. So okay, fair enough. Well. It's a long way away, isn't it? The actual election. Oh my it's god! Ne- it's not even until sometime next year. It's it's it like November next year. Yeah, something? it's November of next year. It's disgusting how much this is getting aired out and how much money is being spent. That's kind of why I'm just sick of the whole system. I can care less who wins. I'm just getting fed up now. I mean, I just sprayed cider all over my laptop. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right. Let's move on then. Yeah, let's get so- off this, this horrible topic. Yeah, let's talk about a really nice topic instead. You put in Microsoft's new AI. Okay, I didn't know if you put that in or me. I was like, it looks like I put that in. I read a little bit about that, and it's been well over a month ago. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I forgot all about it. But it's called, uh, let me go click on it. I forget the name of it. Is this on their web? I mean, uh, not web. Their Windows 10 version? Corn, Corn how do you say that? Cortana. Cortana. Yeah, it's Cortana? on their phones. It's like Siri on iPhone or um, Google Now, I think. Uh, you know, okay, Google and all that stuff. Yeah, I don't really see this working mainly because it's a Microsoft product and I have no faith in m- almost everything that they do. That and I just, since I don't do anything Microsoft related, why do I care about this AI they're creating? And it's supposedly the most human AI ever built. Humans are dumber than crap, so this doesn't surprise me that this would be horribly <laughs> stupid. Yeah, you want something that's better than a human. Yeah, you're like, hey, this is just like a human. Like, then I don't want it. <laughs> Please take yeah. it back. If it said like the most Vulcan-like or the most data-like. <laughs> it's exactly what you want. You want something that's not human. It needs to be better than human, guys. Yeah. But um, have you interacted with Windows 10 at all on the on the desktop? No. Oh, actually, a lot. I have once. So I was at the local library a couple weeks ago um, handing off one of my computers uh, that I was talking about I was doing. So I had a really nice laptop, uh, put Mint on it. And I was sitting there walking his family down to how to use uh, Mint and Linux in general. And uh, this gentleman comes over and he asked me, who's using the Wi-Fi there in the public library, asked me if I know anything about computers. And I was like, well, that kind of depends because I <laughs> what you want me to do, really. And he tells me that he had Windows 7 and he got the uh, free update to Windows 10 and he did it and it blew away all of his settings. And he was very distraught. So I told him I'd help him. I got done with the family. So I helped the family get them on their way. They're happy. And I go and, you know, kind of work with uh, him a little bit. And he's just hating Windows 10 because he has no clue how to roll this back. Now, he's not a uh, ignorant user. He just doesn't understand what, you know, it's just like a brand. He's like any user. A brand new OS just got dumped on his lap. That's completely foreign to the, what he's used to. And he and he just likes what he just likes. He liked Windows 7. He liked his setup and it was all gone. And he had no clue where to click on where to go. So I quickly Googled how to roll that back. So Windows has got that set up pretty well, it looks like. Oh, so he can go back to 7? Yeah, yeah. As long as it's, apparently, I didn't read all this, the details, but apparently as long as it's within an X amount or N days of when you got that roll, uh, I mean, that roll up to Windows 10, then you're allowed to go Uh back to 7 or 8, whatever it might have been. So I found that in the settings and I rolled it back and I will give it to Microsoft. Everything was back to the way he had it. So he was very, and I don't know how much that was, you know, but anyway, he was ecstatic and he like thanked me up and down. So that's the only uh, interaction I've had with Windows 10. Uh, it must have like compressed his whole file system 
chucked it on a separate partition somewhere and then updated it. And so then you can just basically reflash that, you know, just re-image the hard drive of it. I think you're right. It had to, so I've read about Windows, what Windows 10 is up to, and I hate everything they're doing, which mm-hmm. is sharing, uh, storing network passwords, sharing them among people, that kind of stuff I like cannot stand. And it wouldn't surprise me they're doing, they're doing stuff like you said. Yeah, you're on my friend list. So therefore you get my Wi-Fi password. So you come around to my house and then you can instantly connect to my Wi-Fi, which, okay, well, that's not a problem. I trust you, you're my friend. But what if it's like my boss or, uh, you know, just someone who I've had a couple of interactions with and then they suddenly come around and they've got access. And if they've got my Wi-Fi password, it's not just they can get on the internet, it's they can get into my network and they can, you know, Samba shares and various machines that I've got going on. I don't want that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And not just the fact that, oh, I, you're my friend, I trust you. I've had, I had someone back in the day, a buddy of a buddy, stay with me because he had to have a place for him to go. So I was like, yeah, he can crash in my place for the weekend. He stays with me. And, you know, I'd never give him my Wi-Fi password. I just type it in for him. Come to find out he's torrenting everything off these Russian sites, like left and right <laughs> again. And I'm like, what are you doing? Because suddenly on my computer, there is a lot of garbage, like bad garbage. And I, I, we're, it's, it's my desktop he's done this on that's hooked up to my TV. So I turn my TV on there. It's littered with crap. And I'm like, what are you doing, not even, not even with his own laptop. No, no. I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, man, don't worry. You know, it's all in Russian. And I'm like, well, what, is, what does that mean? <laughs> Can you speak it? And he's like, well, I'm learning it. I think this means this. And, and by then, it's like, it, so he comes to stay with me like Friday afternoon. It's like Friday night. So I call my buddy. Like, he's got to go. <laughs> like this is insane and it took me he left like that following sunday it took me two weeks to get everything off that computer that he had Jeez. dumped on there so even if you're at my place i gave you my password it's not like i want to continually let you have that because he stayed up throughout the night next day i wake up and since he, he just sat there in front of the tv the whole time and i was just so scared because like i know he's just downloaded garbage I, I know everything's getting hacked right now as we speak and i, and I can't do anything about it because he won't move he won't get away from this computer yeah, man, there's a, a lot to be said for setting up some sort of um, separate network that, that blocks torrent uh, ports or whatever to s- stop them doing that right, with a serious uh, host file or whatever. I mean, I'm all about torrenting stuff, but not when you're at like a buddy's, a, a guest house. You just don't do it there. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm all about torrenting Linux ISOs, but even just from a bandwidth point of view, like I wouldn't be oh, doing that at someone else's He was house. all day, all day. I would, I'd be like, dude, I, I'm a, I can't even check my emails grinding this hard. Like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm seeding um, stuff. Like, no, you don't. <laughs> oh, man. But one of the other things Windows 10 does, getting back to that, is like that guy had everything set up. Uh, it, if your default browser was Firefox, well, update to Windows 10, and hey, presto, your default browser isn't Firefox anymore. Didn't they fix it? I feel like you guys were talking about this in Luddites, or somebody or Mozilla threw a fit about this. Maybe I read that somewhere. Yeah, I can't remember whether it was Mintcast or Luddites. We were talking about it, and it's quite easy to go in and change it back, but the fact that they changed it in the first place is not cool, I don't think. And uh, there was a few other things about Windows 10 as well that I've forgotten now. It's been a while since it came out. I, I've had, I think I have one buddy who he started using it, but that's all he knows is Windows. Maybe he knows Macs, maybe. But he started using it. I think he likes it. I don't know. We haven't talked much about it. Now... I don't know. This isn't talking about the pie or anything. So I've been curious on how that's going to work. But I've equally heard people slamming it on that scene too, because it basically just like, you're not even at that point using the Raspberry Pi for what you'd be using the Raspberry Pi for. 
It's kind of like just a go-between. Like, it could be your phone or anything at this rate. That's what Windows 10 is kind of doing at the moment. With yeah, that. I mean, when Windows is on the Pi, you need another computer. It's not like you, you can chuck any Linux image or RISC-OS or whatever and then just hook the Pi up to a screen or even SSH into it. Um, well, I suppose that SSH into it is the, the wrong thing because that needs another machine. But, it, you know, if it's Linux, you can do whatever you want on the Pi. It might be slow and whatever, but you can do programming on it. You can set up your server on it, whatever. Whereas with Windows... And uh, yeah, this was the thing on on the Pi podcast. Like, we, we agreed that we have to be positive and upbeat about stuff, but it was difficult, man. The first news story we covered is Windows on the Pi, <laughs> and I was having to bite my tongue, man. Like, there, you, there are some positive things about it, and I spoke about that. And there, there is a positive spin. You can put a positive spin on almost anything, and so I did that. But really, I think that it's it just Microsoft trying to um, get in on it, really. And trying to sort of not not cash in, but they, they want to stay relevant. You know? Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. You're totally right. I feel like that's, that's a great way to word it. They want to stay relevant. I I feel bad slamming Microsoft left and right again, but I just I've, I don't know what their deal is. I feel like they are so they, they they're coming up with good ideas, like making Windows 10 uh, a little bit more open source. And this uh, how is it more how is it more open source? Cortana, isn't it or something? Or can't they are they trying to get a little bit more involved in that scene? Well, I know that they are. They, they've come out and said that they love Linux and the cloud stuff. They know that their Microsoft cloud has to support Linux and stuff. And so they, there is a, a Microsoft.com slash open source, but it's. I think it's still lip service, really. I mean, the, uh, there's no way that the, the core operating system is ever going to be open source. Okay. Well, yeah, I just, I, I feel like they are perfectly behind the times. They, they couldn't be more if they tried. It feel, it's like that one friend you have that no matter what, they, they always are like, like a month behind the style or something, you know, it just every time they, they're always playing catch up to Microsoft and Google and every other small company out there, I, something happened. I have no idea what happened and they just lost their way completely. But I'm not a big fan of windows 10. I really don't care about using it. Now windows seven, I, I used it a lot. I thought it was cool. Someone, I think it was, it might've been the latest Linux journal. They had a really good point, which was I think Windows XP was which was their best thing and is still their biggest problem because it was that good. Like they yeah. they still have people using XP and was, and I'm right, they're totally right. XP is an amazing OS and it just does everything you want to do without any real bloat or overhead. And Windows Seven's got a little bit more overhead and bloat, but it's still slick. But Vista was crap, and then Windows Ten, Windows Eight was horrible, and and people are still using XP. So I just feel like. They just keep putting more stuff on and they just need to learn to take away. Take away. It's not a, what is it? The less is more. They need to learn that concept. Yeah. Well, I went to get some business cards printed, I don't know, about a week ago. And in this print shop where they've got all this, like thousands of quids worth of equipment, you know, just all of these fancy uh, printers and, and machines. And I had to give him the design um, you know, the PNG or whatever of my business card. And he plugged it into this desktop machine that was running XP. And why is he running that? Because it's working for him. And as you say, because it was good enough, no one wanted to upgrade. And that's why it's their biggest problem. It's like, what, 13, 14 years old now or something. And yet people are still using it. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people are still using it all over the globe. Because it's actually doing the job for them. 
Yeah, it is crazy. I mean, people are using that. And that's the thing, too. I still read about, like, how many errors and bugs they find in every one of their major programs. That's kind of why I'm glad I don't use Microsoft at all. That's one of my biggest godsends for Linux. Put it this way. I would not log into my email even, never mind PayPal or my bank, on a Windows machine. No way. Even if it was fully up to date, even if it had the latest antivirus software or whatever, I just wouldn't do it because I've got a Linux machine that I can trust way, way more than that. I feel like there's a story. I need to go find it, and we can post it on the show notes. If you find it. Yeah. There, well, it was a couple <laughs> years ago, I think the Chinese government banned Microsoft and all the government computers. Yeah. And uh, and I told a buddy, I was like, they, I, was, I almost feel like they discovered like a big exploitation in Windows, and they're like, everyone off of it right now. Yeah, well, they probably found the back doors. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Like, there's some major back door they found where they just weren't going to tell the world, but demanded that all their government computers get off of it and then let everyone else in the world keep using it. So what did they move to then, Linux or Mac? Ooh, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I need to go dig this up, and while we're talking, I might just do it right now. I would imagine they'd probably have moved to Linux. I think they've got their own home-spun government version of Linux even. Um, I think Russia's got one as well. <laughs> there's a uh, there's a North Korean one. I don't know if that's a joke or not, but I've seen that one. Yeah, well, it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, come on, you don't need to have that much skill to to make a Linux distro. I mean, it, because that's the beauty of it being open source. I mean, if you base it on Ubuntu, say, but then stop it pointing back at canonical servers and run your own servers and filter everything and check everything and make sure any updates, uh, you know, even if you're compiling it yourself, I mean, you only need a couple of grand's worth of machine to, uh, to compile updates and stuff. And so it would make complete sense to me if you're a government that is not particularly friendly with America, like China or Russia, why would you want to use a, a commercial closed source proprietary operating system when you can use, um, an open source one that you know is going to be cool and isn't going to be having all sorts of backdoors in it unless there's zero days that we don't know about. But that kind of ties into the, uh, the core boot stuff. Did you listen to that um, latest Linux loadouts yet? Yeah, I was listening to, uh, I listened to that last episode with the core boot stuff. That was actually really cool. And I've been wanting to play more around with that stuff along with the uh, library BIOS or Libre Boot, I think it was called. Yeah, well, Libre Boot's just a, a downstream, you know. Oh, that's a, what he said, yeah. Like, not necessarily a fork, but um, kind of a derivative of it that takes out any of the proprietary stuff. Because Core Boot isn't necessarily free software open source. It's just, um, it is mostly, but then you can have some proprietary stuff in it, whereas Libre Boot is a version of it that just doesn't allow any proprietary stuff. Okay, I found that story I was looking for. So it was Windows 8 is what they banned uh, computers to be purchased by the government. They were using any of that. And it says here, too, that they unveiled the new, in quotes, China operating system, COS, which is a Linux-based operating system designed yeah. specifically for mobile devices. Oh, for mobile devices? Oh, maybe they just mean laptops. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that kind of totally makes sense. And that, that rings a bell. I must have covered that on some sort of show at some point. And yeah, that, it just makes sense, doesn't it? Like I was saying, why would you bother using Windows when you know that Microsoft, being a big company, is obviously in the pocket of the US government. They're a US company. So, you know, just like Google is as well, and just like DuckDuckGo is. Yeah, I've tried that one. It's not too bad. 
Well, I mean, people talk about DuckDuckGo as it's like they make all these claims on their website that it's they don't uh, save any of your history, they don't track you and all this stuff. But it, it's just total hot air, man. They're an That's American what I'm thinking company. too. It's like, hey, I don't trust what Microsoft says, but I trust what DuckDuckGo uh, says. And you're like, okay, I mean, it's still just hearsay. We don't know what I mean. Yeah, and it's an American company. That's the thing. I mean, the start page, which is a Dutch company, Holland, and it's like, well, all they do is use Google, but without the um, the kind of Google tracking. So it's it, it's like vanilla Google search results. Because I mean, we've talked about that on many shows and on this one about how if I search for something, it isn't necessarily going to give me the same results as if you search for something on Google because it's oh, yeah. tailored to me. The search bubble, they call it, and that's what Start Page is about. But and, and they're a Dutch company, which is EU, so. It's not under the same control as an American company, but we live in a globalized world, man, where, you know, I'm sure the Dutch government, if, if the American government lent on them hard enough, would crack. So, Oh, for sure. That's the whole NSA thing over again. Yeah. So unless you've got this distributed peer-to-peer search system, which I've no idea how that could possibly work, but I'm sure someone has got an idea, like a blockchain type thing, then that seems to me the only way that you're going to know that you're not being tracked. And even then, that's kind of a bit sketchy. So I don't know, man. But the, the more you learn about this stuff, the more you think that there's just no way to get away from it. The only way to get away from it is to stand in the middle of a field and cover your mouth and talk to someone, you know, under a blanket or something. Make sure <laughs> you don't have your phones on you or wrap your phones in tinfoil like we talked about. Yeah, yeah, you can get away from it then, apparently. So you also put one in about um, a, a recall on cars that were getting hacked. Yeah, that's becoming a, uh, I want to say a bigger problem. I, okay, it is becoming a, a bigger problem. I don't think they're really, I don't know how these cars have been starting to sell or how many cars nowadays have this kind of uh, internet capabilities, but the ones they're putting out are just getting hacked left and right. Now, I saw a, uh, what is it, a TED Talks on this like a couple years ago where somebody was showing what they were able to do, him and his team, to a car. They had, they had two cars. They had, they were both like on the internet. They had a car that they couldn't access whatsoever, and they would just like see what they could do like up close to it or driving next to it on the road. Then they had a car that they they were allowed to like kind of you know break into and then do whatever they wanted and then see how it reacted on the road. And you can imagine that the one they broke into that was just at their at their command. They could tell it to do whatever they wanted whenever they wanted. And but the scary one was the other one where they weren't allowed to break into it and yet were still able to shut brakes down, change the speedometer, stuff of that nature at like whenever they ch- uh, wanted to. That's because cars are computers these days and have been for quite a long time actually. I mean, even my rugby old car is pretty much computer controlled. It's got cruise control and stuff. That's all a computer control in that. And the fact is that all of that code that is running on it is proprietary. And so it doesn't have the advantage of, you know, I hate to be this evangelist going on about open source and free software all the time, but it's, it's not even for ethical reasons. I'm not a Stallman figure who's like, they're going, oh, it's unethical to run proprietary software. I'm just purely pragmatic about this. If it's free and open source software, then people will find the bugs. And if it's, if the company is responsible, then these, those bugs will be squashed and fixed 
And then you won't have these problems. But because they try and have this security through obscurity thing, where it's like, I oh, will keep our code proprietary and then no one will find the bugs. And then when someone does find the bugs, there's no proper way for them to report them. And people are thinking, you know, if you find a bug in some proprietary software, then you're not going to tell them about it. You're just going to exploit it. Whereas if they are decent enough to provide this, the source code in the first place, then responsible people are more likely to find the bugs, I reckon. Yeah, it's just uh, companies want to make money. Could care less about security. I mean, we've heard that same song and dance many a, many and many a times. Uh, me personally, I just don't see what the point is having internet in my car. I mean, I guess if you're on the road that much, it'd be cool. I, I just, I can't think of anywhere in particular uh, that around here or even when I like drive back home. I mean, I guess the mountains would be the only spot where I kind of lose connectivity with, through my phone. But there's so much I can do through my phone. They don't really need it to need it in my car. I don't. That thought blows my mind. I don't see what the the gain here is. Well, it ties into the Internet of Things, doesn't it? it? Like we've always been talking about for the last ten years or more, this idea of the connected fridge that will know that you've run out of milk and order you some to be delivered, and, and you know you'll also have uh, a dishwasher that is connected and a microwave that's connected, and. A washing machine that you can control from your office at work. And it's just like, do we really need those things? Yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking. I was like, this stuff's cool to have, but I have no like want or desire. I mean, I guess I have some desire to check them out, but I have no really like need or a want for them. Now, I did do the Kickstarter for Mycroft, which is that kind of same idea. Like, hey, Mycroft, tell me about the weather. Well, I could have just done it myself. But that's more of just me. The only reason I really backed that thing is because I want to tie in with it, see what I could do. This is, you know, that's a little bit different in my mind of being able, like, they're, they're kind of allowing me, like, here's a very powerful concept that you can do whatever you want with Isaac. Like, okay, well, thanks. Maybe I can rig this up for something that I normally couldn't go buy or do or some of that nature. Yeah, and they're selling that on the fact that it's open source as well, and that, yeah. that you can write your own modules for it. And exactly, stuff. and that's that. Now that's why I'm backing that, and why I think that'd be cool. But besides that, I just don't see the need in some of that other stuff. It's I, I guess with the car, you could if it's on the internet of things. I guess you could know when you're out of gas, or <laughs> yeah, but I mean, or when you tell the startup when you needed to. I just don't get it, man. I just don't get why you would need that. I mean. I, if someone gave me an internet connected fridge, then I'd like to play with it. And the same with any other toy, I'd like to play with it. But it's just the need versus the, the want. And uh, as you say, it just feels like total folly to me. It's like tablets. I mean, really, no one has got a need for a tablet. No. I mean, I don't suppose anyone with a tablet hasn't got a phone. And these days, phones are getting pretty enormous. Like, you were pretty shocked, weren't you, when you took that out of the box? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. I have a, I have an e-reader, which I've dual-booted into a tablet. Is that e-ink, though, or is that a proper screen? Uh, it's just a... I'm trying to think. Oh, it's a proper screen. It's not like your old Kindles, is that, if that's what you're saying. Yeah, so like um, Etch-A-Sketch style, where it's like... No, no, it's not like battery. that. No, this is, it, this is like a... Kindle Fire, so to speak. It's like a Nook. It's like a Nook Color or Nook, Nook HD or something. So it's just a tablet, then, basically. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, yeah, yeah, it is. And if you, but when you buy those things, like this was like through uh, Barnes and Noble. So it's a Nook, uh, I think HD or Nook Color. I can't remember. Either way, it's the same thing. But 
it, when you buy it like that, you're you're stuck on like their operating system, so to speak. Like you're stuck on the Nook, and then you have to like to get to the Android layer of like what's sitting down at there. You've got to kind of dual boot it or get some Cyanogen mod concept to run on it, and then that kind of gives you the ability to be like, hey, do you want to boot it to like the straight OS of the you know like do you want to, us to time with the uh, Android layer here, or do you want it to just boot up into the normal e-reader? So I have that, but yeah, I agree. Anybody that I know that has a tablet that's really using it normally doesn't have a computer. Uh, my grandparents are a great example. They have a iPad, but don't have any other computers, so it serves all their purposes right there. Yeah. But anyone else I know besides that would be just kind of overkill. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of thinking about this the other day. I haven't used my Nexus 7 for a long time since I got the Chromebook and realized how amazing the battery life was on it. And since I put proper Linux on it, I just feel like I haven't used my Nexus 7 at all because all the stuff that I would do with that, I've just used the Chromebook for. So I was feeling a bit guilty for not using it. I've got all this computer stuff and some of it just sits there rotting. But (laughs) that's just how I feel it's going to go with um, Internet of Things. And call me a Luddite, ha, ha, ha. But, I mean, if I got myself a connected fridge and, you know, you can set it to order stuff for you directly and automatically, am I ever going to actually use that for more than a week or two before it's just like, uh, okay, I'm going to go shopping today, open the fridge, look, okay, right, I need some milk, you know, I need some cheese, whatever. Close the fridge, go and write down on an actual piece of paper to me, I just think people are not going to use this stuff for very long. It could come in handy for somebody that can't like leave the house. I could, I could see that. I mean, I, I told a buddy I want to do an experiment where I don't leave the house. I want to see how much I can pull off, like, become or, a proper shut in. <laughs> yeah, see how much I could like do where people like go and do shopping for you, or they bring your groceries to you. They, you know, I want to see how many online things I can do without ever leaving the house. Well, you live in DC. Surely they have that already, right? Oh yeah, they do. So I could probably never leave that. I told my buddy we both laughed, and it'd be scary how long I could not. I could stay shut in. Yeah, I mean, I could do it if uh, if money was no object. I mean, you can mostly work from home, so that's all right. I mean, my work means that I have to travel around and stuff. But if I could work from home, you know, say I was like a sysadmin or something, and could just do everything over SSH, and as long as I had a reliable internet connection, then yeah, I could get all my shopping delivered and. Never, ever leave home, but it'd be pretty depressing to never go out, wouldn't it? Uh, man, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, I could do that all winter long. I could just crank the heating up and that'd be not a problem. But London in the summer is a cool place, man. I love to go out, especially when it's really hot at night. Like now it's a warm night. It must be like, I don't know, 60 plus degrees in your degrees, like 20, mid 20s. And um, or, or at least twenty degrees, my my European temperatures, and it's just so nice to be out there. I mean, I, I was out walking as the sun went down, and it was just really, really nice. I'd miss that, man. I'd miss going outside. I don't like going out very much, I must say. But I, if I was just totally a shut in, that wouldn't be much fun. I don't think. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm think I'm asocial. Is that one you don't care if you're inside or out or with anyone or without? I, I, I don't know. But <laughs> antisocial, I think. Antisocial? It's either one of those two. I mean, an- I'm not antisocial. I think I just don't care anymore if I'm with the crowd or not. But I don't know. I haven't seen, uh, I don't have any buddies that have a, my, my car is uh, 2010. It's a hybrid. So it's pretty computerized, but it doesn't have like Bluetooth or anything. 
even I mean that like doesn't even have that basic stuff. But I think this really? is on a whole other wavelength of what it can bring to the table. But I'm not a fan of driving on the road and my car being hacked or turned off suddenly because I've had that happen before on my old car. That's not fun. Well, someone hacked it or it just broke down. No, no, no. It just uh, I think it was related because here a couple like a year ago, Chevrolet or Chevy had a real issue with all these cars and we were calling them. And I think my car had that same problem. So there was one time I was going, because it, it would just turn off in the middle of like operation. And there was one time I was passing a diesel and I was in like 70 or something and it just completely turned off. <laughs> but it was a stick shift. So I just kind of threw it neutral and recranked it and then <laughs> put it back in fifth and took off. That's funny that you people call that a stick shift. We call it a manual and that's pretty standard here. Over here, they're, they're not that as much. They're not, they're not as standard as they used to be. I love a stick shift, but not in DC traffic. That's easy way to kill yourself. Yeah, I mean, I drive an automatic. To me, it's like having an automatic is like having a washing machine and having a stick shift or manual, as we say, is like using a, a washboard and a mangle. Do you know what that is? Like that thing where you squeeze your clothes through it to dry them and stuff. It's just, oh, yeah, why yeah, would you yeah. bother? Like we, we live in a world where automatic cars exist. And uh, unless you're like trying to race and get the best performance out of it and stuff, yeah, it just seems like ridiculous to me. Go- going back to this car real quick, I remember I read a story not too long ago, and this is kind of hearsay, or it's actually a lot of hearsay, that uh, Apple is trying to develop something to do with the windshield that kind of give it like a display of sorts that you can tie in with, with like your phone, I guess, or tablet. And I thought that was really cool. And then that, re- that hit me that, so they're trying to, Google's coming out with these cars that are automatic and drive themselves. If you're sitting there and your car drives itself, that whole windshield is a whole, is one giant monitor that you can just turn on or off. At that point, it's no longer, I feel like once we start doing the automatic cars or driving themselves, then you don't really need the whole inside anymore to even look or be like a car at that point. It's like, yeah, well, what's, much. What's, what's the point of a glove box and all this? You know, at, at this rate, I might as well have like, like a, a room of sorts that could just drive from A to B. Yeah, let's just have a sofa there, man. Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be really nice. Yeah, but the thing is, I can't read anything while I'm driving. Or, or well, if I'm a passenger in a car, because I just get sick. Oh, yeah, yeah, I get motion sickness. I have to like be aware. I have to be looking straight out. So it really sucks for me. I just get really bored. It'd just be like a passenger. If I was driving along on my own in a self-driving car, I would just get so bored because I have no one to talk to. I suppose I'd be listening to podcasts and stuff, so it wouldn't be too bad. You could talk to uh, Cortana or whatever it's called. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right, well, um, let's end up with some of this drone stuff then that I didn't want to talk about, but you did. So go and hit me. I guess we'll go over it real quick. I guess New Zealand's completely outlawed drones. That's kind of funny, which does make sense because it's, I've never been there, but it's a pretty beautiful country from what I could see. From drone pictures, from what I see, it looks beautiful. Yeah, from <laughs> p- drone pictures. And let's face it, you're talking about Lord of the Rings. That's how you know Oh, exactly. Like. So, which I've never seen, by the, by the way. I've never seen any of the Lord of the Rings movies. Are we, what? Really? Yeah. You're kidding. How do you not seen any, any of them? There's like six, isn't there? Uh, yeah, there's three original ones and then three Hobbit movies. Put it this way, I watched about 30 seconds of the first Lord of the Rings one. I was like, no, nah, I'm not watching this. It's rubbish. Okay, that's, that's like a slow part. I mean, you got to kind of. No, no, it wasn't even the fact that the story was slow or anything, or the, the fact that the second one is they're on a quest, they're on a quest, they're on a quest, it, it finishes. I know loads about it. I know about my precious and all that. <laughs> but yeah. the thing is that I don't like fantasy. I like hard sci-fi. 
or comedy, pretty much. I don't like fantasy. I don't like anything like Terry Pratchett and stuff like that. I don't like books that involve like goblins and ghouls and um, hobbits and all that stuff. I just, I don't know, my family don't like any of that stuff. My parents don't like that stuff. And it's just kind of been passed down to me. I'm just like not a true geek. For me, I love, like, I can't wait for The Martian, for example, which is proper, the, the author describes it as hard sci-fi. You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's fantastic in that it couldn't happen right now, but there's no reason why in theory it couldn't happen. And Star Wars is kind of like on that edge between sci-fi and fantasy, like the force and stuff. In the first movies, it was, the force was this like almost religious, mythical force, <laughs> funnily enough. <laughs> But then yeah. in the the prequels came along and said it was all midichlorians, which is a like scientifically explainable thing. And that controversially, I think, made it better because it made it grounded in more of a reality rather than this fantasy rubbish. And you know, I like things like Terminator. So, so wait a minute, wait a minute. Because they made up they, some fantasy cell, it helped make it more scientific. Is that what you just said? Yeah, because. <laughs> In theory, this idea of the force and having this telekinetic power and mind control and stuff comes from actual cells in your body. And yeah, it is still fantasy. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's still fantasy, but I see, I see what you're going with. Okay, okay. But it's, it's more, it's, it's like shifted more towards sci-fi, isn't it? Rather than out and out fantasy, like magic and stuff. It's not, um, it's not supposed to be supernatural. It's just supposed to be um, a, an actual scientific phenomenon that is that we don't understand that we don't have, but it is still explainable by these midichlorians. I'm waiting for like a star Wars CSI show to come out where they're like, I found these midichlorians on the body. <laughs> yeah. I think something from the Jedi must have killed this person. So, <laughs> yeah. But like stuff like star Trek, it is clearly it's fantasy. It's fantastic in that we don't have any of that stuff. Warp drive fast and light, whatever. It is fantasy, but at the same time, it's fantasy that is vaguely based in reality. It's like we could, in theory, maybe, hopefully, have that technology one day to have that. And things like Terminator, time travel, we might maybe have time travel. We might be able to make these robots. We might be able to grow skin, you know, human flesh, given advanced enough technology. And the, the, the fantasy part about it is that um, we don't have that yet. And so for me, it's like... It is vaguely based in reality and back to the future as well. Classic uh, movie that I love. Whereas just things that are just out and out fantasy and don't even attempt to be based in reality. I just can't be doing with man. And so that's why I've never seen Lord of the Rings, but anyway, New Zealand has <laughs> outlawed not. drones. <laughs> that's a huge confession, isn't it? Like I would imagine most of the people that l- listen to any of the shows that I do. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it is. I mean, I was, I, what was funny about it was I was just like, oh, wow, you haven't seen it. And then you're like, the reason why. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I wanted to get that off my chest, man. There we go. I, 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 apparently, you've been holding that back for a while now. I'm glad that's off your chest now. Hopefully, you'll get yeah. some good night's sleep. Don't <laughs> get me started on The Onion and how much I hate that. But I okay. <laughs> I'm only laughing because I've, I've fallen victim to a couple of Onion articles before I actually read further into it like an idiot. But- anyway well, you've like swallowed it and thought it was real there was one in particular i was just my buddy sent me a link i was just working i clicked on it it was like i forget the article was like something about remote working is 
that is not as productive or I forget what it is. It was something to that degree of, well, duh, you know, like working in the office is more productive. I forget what it is. Maybe, maybe like working in the day is more productive, but anyway, I fell for it and sent my buddy like this guy with the dumbest shit I've ever read. And then, then I saw the onion at the top. So, well, they have a saying sarcasm is the lowest form of wit. Well, that isn't true anymore. Fake news stories are the lowest form of wit. That is, yeah, that's it's, a good point. It's not funny. It's easy. Anyone can just make up some rubbish and I just hate it. And whenever I see someone post the onion, they really like go down a notch. In my opinion, I just think you idiot. <laughs> Well, you're really airing it all out today. It's I like, know. I'm just. I'm, I feel like this was your original idea, though, wasn't it? That that you'd get me on the the sort of Fraser style couch, and like you'd get me to. Oh, that's right. It was. That's yeah. We should. You. We should, well, we're yeah. We're doing that now. So yeah. There we go. Right. That's enough of that. Tell me more about drones. Um. What is it? New Zealand won't allow drones anymore. That um. I don't know what to say about that. That might become more of a. Mainstream, we'll see how that goes. There's a drone swarming language now available on GitHub. I'm very curious on that. Well, that's open source then, presumably, on GitHub. Yeah. And that's a language that can mean that they can talk to each other and be a swarm and can attack us and take over. There's a book out by Daniel Suarez, who's a big techno thriller kind of writer in sci-fi. Somebody like you just explained, Joe, you know, he takes the, you know, some fantasy sci-fi stuff, but grounds it in hard science where it could actually happen. And well, obviously he wrote about this and here, this is coming to life, which is how drones could easily function kind of like a swarm of insects very well together. And uh, I don't know, just the sky's the limit when you start doing that kind of stuff. I haven't had a chance to check that out because I don't own a drone, nor do I have, nor do I own two drones. So I really can't swarm any of them together. I haven't really looked at too much in this language. Then we have, uh, Shout out to my old, my, my home state of Kentucky, where a guy apparently flew a drone. His neighbor flew a drone too close to his house or too low. So he shot it out of the sky. Murica <laughs> uh, is all I can say. So that story has gone back and forth where the guy that shot it says that it was hovering like, I forget the, the height, like very low. And I think either his daughter or his wife was tanning outside. And then he shot it. So then the guy has footage or video footage, maybe of like, it wasn't as low as the other guy claims. <laughs> and then, so the guy that had his drone shot, tried to approach his neighbor or whoever it was that he wanted money. So the neighbor was basically like with a gun, like, you know, you're not getting my property or I'm going to treat you like I did your drone. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the cops of course have no idea what's going on or what to do. So I don't know where that stands at the current moment. That was a really good story. They got a kick out of. I remember when the Amazon drones were first announced. They they haven't come to pass yet, and they probably won't. But we that was my first reaction to it a couple of years ago. That the first thing that's going to happen is people are going to start shooting them down. Oh my gosh! I I, I know so many people, um, country folks that would shoot one down in a heartbeat, and I, that's what a lot of people don't understand. And yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. Now the the Amazon ones, whatever. But Joe Blow starts doing it. Uh, it, I don't say, especially if you get one shot down, I don't say you're going to try and go, you're going to get your money back. Good luck on that one. So I don't, I see yeah. this not becoming more common occurrence, but I don't see this being something that's going to, I mean, what the cops going to do It's it's, it's one of those uh, instances where technology is moving so fast that no one knows what to say. There's no law 
out there. I mean, he maybe he shot something you own, but they don't know whether it was too low, too high. I mean, if anything, the, the drone user always might be in the wrong here because of what the other guy's going to be claiming. There's a good, there's a really, really good South Park episode about drones and this kind of stuff. It's That's really, exactly really what good. I was thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> when the cops show up, it's like, <laughs> and then, uh, then there's one more story about, now this is actually kind of scary, which is, uh, someone filming their drone shooting a pistol. And well, the and, actual drone was shooting a pistol. This is like a YouTube clip. It's floating out there. This is uh, scarily very real. A guy's like rigged up a quadcopter and with that, he it's about like 30 seconds long. He fires about four shots with a pistol uh, from the drone. Now, of course, the recoil isn't being compensated for. So the drone goes back, you know, a little bit each time, but it wouldn't be that hard. I mean, once you get your math down and physics to compensate for that uh, recoil. Well, I'm watching this video now. That is imagine if um, Boston Dynamics got hold of this stuff, man. Do you remember those? Um freaky robots oh yeah where it was running kind of i know what you're talking about that's some really yeah. weird looking ones but this kind of goes hand in hand with the swarming stuff i mean both these things we talked about in that and schwarz's novel where these drones are basically communicating on their own now based upon like scent trails and stuff they're basically mimicking ants and um but based upon certain scent trails that these drones release other drones know to follow or go a certain way and some of them have guns and protecting the other drones while they're doing their jobs so some regnet's going to try shooting them down. They're just going to get shot by the drones. This is crazy. Yeah, this is this is. I mean, scary, crazy. Because I, you can easily kill someone. Is one you know, if you flew this around, no one would be the wiser until it actually got close to you and shot up the bullet off. I mean, if you think about it, you really could fly one in, shoot someone, and fly it away, and no one would be. I mean, someone's going to see it, of course. But if you're that quick about it, and that good about it, no one would be have a clue about it. And of course, the guns are just going to pick up another notch. Right now, he's. I mean, this is all. This is first proof of concept stuff, and it's just going to go go from here. Yeah, it's not going to be long before there's an AK-47 up there. Man. That's what I was just thinking. And once you compensate, once you put some propellers in the right spot and compensate for that uh, yeah, the uh, recoil, recoil, then it's on. You can shoot yeah. those guns all day long. And an AK-47 is not going to jam, is it? It's a pretty reliable gun, so... I, mean, I think it, I th- yeah, yeah, it is. You're right. It is very reliable. It's the, it's the distance blows on it. And the aim is not that good, but it's, it'll, it'll pull a trigger and shoot a bullet in a heartbeat most yeah. time, all the time. Maybe get like a sawn off shotgun on there. <laughs> <Goodness>. <laughs> but yeah, that was just some of the drone news that caught my eye. I was just kind of, wow. I mean, when I showed some buddies at work about the drone shooting a gun, so I mean, a few people were like super depressed about like, th- this is what's, becoming of our society kind of stuff. Kind of like the 3D printer. Like, hey, we made these 3D printers to help people out. Well, what'd you make? I made a gun. Like, thanks. That's just what we were hoping for. <laughs> uh, we need to get like a jingle or something. Drone watch. with That would be really good. I'm about to check out the Sonic Pie and do something like that. All right. Okay. Well, we've got a little bit of feedback. Not as much as I would have hoped for this long, but hey, what are you going to do? So first we had some stuff from Will, who always writes in. Thanks, Will. He said, I had a friend in college who was obsessed with Kurzweil and transhumanism for a while. It was kind of a dark time in his life, but I think he's bounced back well at this point. <laughs> yeah, and it's, think, speaking of transhumanism, I was listening to a podcast about something else. I can't remember now. And they brought up a good question. And that was, once we get to the point where we upload our consciousness into a machine, into a computer, 
and we're like beyond being human, are we still going to need to sleep? And I don't know, like it's a bit of a good question that I reckon. If your consciousness is in a computer, I mean, why do we need sleep? We don't really fully understand that, do we? Is the computer going to overheat? Because I was just thinking my computer goes to sleep. Well, mine's either on or off. And I suppose that's the same way as sleeping. But we sleep for many reasons. One for the physical rest, but the other for the mental rest. Because if you just lie there all night in bed and relax and don't move around too much and then try and function the next day, you're still going to be just just a wreck because your brain didn't have time to shut down and process the thoughts and stuff. So I don't know, maybe we will still need to sleep when we're uh, machines, if that ever happens before the apocalypse, before Trump gets in and starts nuking people. <laughs> starts putting drones together. Yeah. But we, uh, we were talking about Twitch all that time ago, six weeks ago, whenever we did the last show. And uh, Will continued, speaking of Twitch and live streaming things, that most people would find boring. Has Isaac encountered programmers live streaming their coding sessions? The phenomenon seems to be picking up a lot of stories in the tech press recently, though I've not looked into it much. I don't know. Have you even heard of that? I can't remember. if we t- Obviously, it's been this long. I had not heard about this till Will brought it up, and I think I even made a comment like, you got to be kidding me. So I went and found this, and I feel like one of my buddies had heard about it, I found a couple of sites for this. I posted it at work because a lot of them were just dumbfounded that Twitch even existed. But the, the live coding was even like a, a whole more worse thing come to you know fruition. So it's I watched some of it and want to throw up. Because so, <laughs> I was like, it, it's one thing to watch someone play a video game. There's some action going on. But when you watch someone code, there's no action. I mean, you don't even know one usually what they're up to. And coding's built up of like smaller blocks to make bigger blocks to make bigger, bigger stuff. So it's there could there could not be you might as well watch someone painting a wall <laughs> and letting it dry like this is amazing is what you'd be sitting there because it's the same concept or yeah well now I think about it maybe I put my foot in my mouth you could be watching someone fix a car and it's almost somewhat the same I don't know yeah but you could learn something if you watch a video of someone fix a car you could if you've got some baseline knowledge of how car repair works then you could increase your skills. I don't know about coding, though, because even if you know what they're doing, that doesn't mean it relates to you. Maybe they're doing it wrong. You don't even know the first thing about it. He's just going to time with a piece of code. It's like God knows what small percentage of their giant project. It's just now we did talk about using it to maybe uh, for like a for like a job interview. I think it'd be helpful for something like that. Or you could have a, like a live stream kind of thing and watch someone do like a homework assignment, so to speak. If someone's in the middle of their code, uh, no, no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't watch it. Are they even commenting on it though? Are they kind of saying like, oh, I'm going to do this and that I'm doing this function for this reason? Or is no. it just them going? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't really pay too much attention to it. I, I need to go check this back out. It was probably the most like, I couldn't stop laughing when I saw it. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> it should surprise me though that this existed. Yeah. Uh, but we'll continue I've been working through the Python Coursera course Isaac recommended. Part one was mostly a review for me, but I'm interested to see where part two goes. By the way, there's a Coursera course on cryptography starting a month from now. And it's already started. It. Yeah, so it must have started <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. I, I, I signed up for this and I checked it out. It looked pretty cool. I just haven't had any time to delve further into it, but it had some really cool concepts. And uh, I don't think how long it was. It wasn't as long as I thought it'd be, like two months maybe. That's pretty long, actually. But 
Yeah, I'm glad to hear, Will, that the Python course is working out for you. I'm a big, uh, I think Rob has also, also brought that up. I'm a big proponent of Coursera courses, and their Python one in particular is really, really good. And I guess they have a part two for it. And I hear that as a non-programmer, you know, I know nothing about this stuff apart from basic 10 print, hello world, 20 go to 10 run. That's <laughs> the extent, or like Blink and Marquee yeah. in, uh, you know, websites. But um if I was going to learn programming, and it is on my massive list to do, you know, my massive to-do list, I think Python would be where I'd start. And I hear it's the easiest. Yeah, yeah. So what you just said is correct. And if you think about it, that's why Raspbian is doing so well, because they put Python on there, yeah. which makes total sense. Because it's, it's so, it's, you learn the, the, a lot of the core concepts without like the bloat overhead, which I, I made a point, I made the comment on the Pi podcast about why I would understand Windows 10 was like, hey, we now support C Sharp and C++ and Java. I'm like, what a, what, the, what a more perfect way to turn everyone away from programming than using every language no one wants to touch. So Python is perfect for, for kids, you, any, any person that's looking to get into programming without having to learn this giant bloat overhead, Python is perfect for that stuff. And it's pretty simplistic too in its syntax. Yeah, and it's um, it's more I hear at least that it's it's more like related to actual English. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it actually makes sense what you know what you're writing. Yeah, it's 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 a great language. I highly uh, promote it all the time. If you anybody that's like I want to learn more about programming, Python is my first option to like learn this. It's it's easy to read, not a lot to it. It could do a lot. It's very powerful, and everyone's starting to play with it more and more. So, yeah, I would highly recommend Python 24-7. Plus, you don't have to wait for it to compile for ages as well. You can just run <laughs> it straight away. Compile once everywhere. So, <laughs> And Will finished off his comments with, here's something for Joe to point his tinfoil hat at. And he linked this article, and this is really, really shocking. And I'm just going to read from Wikipedia here. Josh Greenberg, born in 87, died July 2015, was one of the co-founders of the music streaming service Grooveshark. He founded Grooveshark as a 19-year-old freshman at the University of Florida in March uh, 2006. Greenberg was found dead at his home in Gainesville, Florida in July 2015. The Gainesville Police Department stated during the preliminary investigation that neither foul play nor suicide was suspected in his death, despite his dying from unknown reasons. An autopsy was scheduled for July 20th, but toxicology reports could take months. So we've talked about Groove Shark quite a lot on this show because I really loved it, and then it went away, and it, then there were a few pop-up replacements, and then they went away, and I just haven't kept up with it i just kind of use youtube and don't really listen to that much music anymore but this is freaky man the the guy who co-founded it suddenly dies and there's no explanation for how he died is it just a coincidence i don't know the skeptic in me says that yeah it's a coincidence he probably had some underlying heart condition that he didn't know about but the kind of tinfoil hat in me thinks more rubbed out you know whacked by the man not even 30, man. You know, that's, uh, that's very young to just die for no reason. Uh, but anyway, um, 
Thanks for Rainy for getting in touch. And uh, he or she has been listening to some old shows and we had a bit of a back and forth on that, but I don't want to drag up too much of that old stuff. But thanks for getting in touch anyway. And John said, Hi, Joe. Just wondering if you're keeping going with this project. I know you said the number of listeners is not very high, but I'd be interested to know what they are. But then again, I'm very nosy. Lol. Well, I'm not telling you exactly, but it's not very much. We talked about that earlier. I can only speak for myself, but I really like the show. And to be honest, probably rate it above Mintcast and well above Ubuntu Podcast. Ooh, burn. Like this one? What? Yeah, that's pretty sick burn <laughs> on those that's other really shows. Awesome. Thank you, John. Wow. <laughs> this has to be a joke, you know, email, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The Ubuntu Podcast has been having some pretty dodgy audio issues. Although the one that they released today with Stuart Language, it was way long. Like normally they're half an hour, but this was like nearly an hour. And they were talking about web apps and stuff. And that was really interesting. That's probably why I listened to Bad Voltage that he's also on, because I finished listening to that. I thought, oh, yeah, maybe I'll see what he's been up to lately. Um, but John continues, I hope you both keep up the good work, as it'd be a shame for it to disappear. If there's anything I can do to help other than try to spread the word, then let me know. Um, you could pay me a million pounds. I was going to say, spreading the word's good enough, John. Much appreciated, <laughs> yeah. Pay me a million pounds so I don't have to go to work anymore, and then I can just do this every day. And... uh I'll even like give Isaac a couple of grand so he can get every day with me. <laughs> so I appreciate it. Rate it above the Mintcast and well above Ubuntu Podcast. Oh, something else right there. Yeah. There's no accounting for taste, eh? But yeah, spread the word, man. Like if, if anyone's listening to this and you were entertained by it or it passed some time at work or on your commute, then tell someone about it. The, the, the thing is that a show like this that's got no focus, like with a Linux show, or a Raspberry Pi show, or whatever it is, a photography show, whatever that your thing is, it's fairly easy to find an audience because it, it fits within a niche. Whereas if you just talk about whatever you want, like we do, then it's either you find us interesting to listen to or you don't. And it's hard to discover that. So I don't know. If we've got some sort of value, then tell other people. But I've never taken this show particularly seriously. It's only 14 episodes in now. I know that we've taken it more seriously since you've got on board, Isaac, but it's, um, you know, I, I wouldn't record one of my serious shows like Linux Lodites in my neighbor's kitchen in the middle of the night with no backup. <laughs> you know, if, if one of our audios goes wrong, then no one will ever hear this. Put it that way. Whereas normally I've got backups and stuff. Yeah. If, if anyone's listening to this, that means we had a, we did a good job in the audio. Audio got yeah. lucky. So yeah, it managed to, you know, our hard drives didn't die in the middle of it. <laughs> um, I always forget to give out the email address, which traditionally has been joerestpodcast at gmail.com. But because of the Pi podcast, I had to learn how to configure multiple domains and actually had to learn about XM and how mail servers work. And so I have hooked it up so that um, pretty much anything at joerest.com will get to me. But I thought podcast at joerest.com because it's the joerest podcast. That's probably the best bet. But if you're used to emailing the old one, that's fine. That still forwards to me as well. It all basically forwards to one Gmail address is the truth of the matter. So, uh, <laughs> but if you, sh if you email podcast at joerest.com, I can also forward that automatically to Isaac really easily. I can just add him to the aliases. So um, yeah, either way, send us some emails or leave a comment on the website and literally who knows when we'll do this again. We've been meaning to do this for a long, long time. We almost did it uh, about a week ago, and then we didn't for various reasons. And 
I don't know, my time is taken up a lot by this podcast now. And we're going to be doing an interview tomorrow night, aren't we? In oh, yeah, 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 tomorrow. Yeah, we've got an interview there. And then we're hopefully going to stick to a two-week schedule with that. And I don't know if I'm going to be doing many Mintcasts. I'm not going to go on the one tomorrow. But it depends if uh, Scott or Rob are away. And with Linux Lada, it's been weekly. I mean, it's not that much more effort, but it's a little bit more effort to do that. So time is always pressed. But as I always say at the end of these shows, who knows when the next one's going to come along? It's uh, it's always a surprise when it appears in your feed and uh, hopefully a pleasant one. But um, until we speak to you next time, I'm Joe. I'm Isaac. See you later. See ya. See ya.